today on Real Life Radio. You and I do ourselves a great injustice if we do not approach the Bible with it open and believing that God's gonna speak to us out of it. We must come to God's word like this. Lord, speak to me. This is Real Life. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack continues now in his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message titled, It's Time to Get Up and Go, Part 1. Now, this series called The Gospel of Luke really gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus as only Luke the physician could. Here, as we move further into chapter 5, we'll find Jesus on the move and willing to help two men ravaged by extreme physical conditions. You see, the first man was very bad off. He had leprosy, and the life of a leper is like a dead man walking, right? He knows he's in trouble and considered to be in sin because of his disease. The second man, well, he was paralyzed and was brought to Jesus on a bed because he couldn't walk on his own. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that when Jesus touched the desperate man with leprosy and cleansed him, it's the same as our deep need for Jesus to help us and cleanse us with a simple touch of his hand. Now in his message called, It's Time to Get Up and Go, Part 1, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Luke 5, verses 12 to 26, and the title of the message today is, It's Time to Get Up and Go. It's time to get up and go. Jesus in our teaching this morning is going to be touching two very, very pathetic, very, very weak men. Men who have been ravaged by the difficulties of life and by disease and no doubt by sin as well as the Bible teaches that all of us have been ravaged by sin. You know, you and I might be sitting here quite uh, fine looking today, but the fact of the matter is... uh, Unless Jesus Christ takes control of our lives, uh, sin rules and reigns. And we don't like to admit that. We'd rather avoid going in that direction. But the truth of the matter is, if we'll be honest, if we will really, really be true to ourselves, we would have to admit that even if we wanted to take the high moral ground on the issues of life, we still fail privately on our own. That there is a life that comes against us that even as a Christian, we would argue with, I don't want to be part of the old man. I don't want to be what I used to be. And I'm happy to stand here uh, before you this morning not being the same person I was uh, some 30 years ago. When I first came to Christ, I was uh, a person that was given over to the things of this world. I was young, 19, but I was living my life uh, for my own pleasure and for what I wanted to do. And I was, uh, I was very good at what I did. The only problem is what I did was wrong. And uh, you might say, well, Jack, what was it? You got me curious now. You're not going to know. <laughs> Ever. Why? Because you know what? I have a new life now in Christ. And I trust that you do too. And what I love about what Jesus does and what, about what Jesus says and the teachings of the Bible is that whenever, wherever Jesus did and said and went into a community, he never left it the same. Jesus Christ changes the world around him. And he does that by changing people. And that's a very encouraging word to us this morning that he changes the world by changing people. And... Uh, We need to keep that in mind. We will go as far as we can this morning in our teaching, apparently based upon last service. We won't get very far, but we'll go as far as we can today. Uh, It's time to get up and to go. And we are in Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. Follow along with me. 
down to verse 26. Luke tells us, and it happened. When he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand to touch him saying, I am willing to be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him or challenged him, commanded that he tell no man, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded you. However, the report went out around concerning uh, Jesus and all the more the great multitudes came together to hear him and to be healed of him for their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought a man, a man on a bed who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring him uh, and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in, that is into Jesus because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling or the roof into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been laying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, or awe, reverence. And this is what they said. We've seen strange things today. <laughs> I bet. I'd love to have been there. It's time to get up and go. And that's obviously a challenge to our hearts as believers. Uh, we're going to be at coming to the end of this service and God's going to speak to us and he's going to say, get up and go now. But for these two people, and maybe not only you this morning, maybe you have needs this morning, physical needs. Maybe you have great spiritual needs. Maybe you don't know Christ personally. And uh, your life and, and others around you perhaps can be told, as it were, this man uh, who's either crippled or the uh, leper who's cleansed. But regardless, concerning the Bible, you and I do ourselves a great injustice if we do not approach the Bible with it open and believing that God's going to speak to us out of it. We must come to God's word like this. Lord, speak to me. And Lord, I have your Bible open, so instruct me in the way that I should go. We're going to look at our first point this morning. You can jot it down in your note-taking. It's time to get up and go. And that's found in verses 12 to 16. And that is the Lord has his appointments. God has appointments that he keeps. The Lord has appointments that he keeps. I'm going to ask you to have your highlighter and your pen ready uh, so that you might see this more clearly. Why is this the case? Why is it that God keeps his appointments and that he even has them? Well, because, listen, there's a man in need of cleansing. Look with me at verse 12. There's a man in need of cleansing, not healing, not healing, cleansing. There's a big difference. Verse 12, and it happened when he was, Jesus, was in a certain city that, behold, a man was full of leprosy. That, uh, he saw Jesus, and he fell down on Jesus, 
at his face and implored him that is begged Christ saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What I want you to look at right now, church, is grab your pen and your pencil and look at the two words that I point out. It is the word happened and it is the word certain that it happened, not an accident, and that there was a certain city that is not an accident as well. Keep this very thing in mind. God had an appointment to keep. And it means this regarding this leper. When you look at the word happened, it speaks to us that it sounds like to you and I that it's an event that has befallen the man or the reader. It's not so. The word means that God had a plan, that what God was doing was specifically predetermined by his own counsel. So when you look at the word that it happened, God's working. And then look at the word city. It says not just a city. It says what church? A certain city. That means that the Lord is at work. So what he's doing here is that there's a plan that God wants to implement. And it looks like an accident to the casual reader or to the one that's passing by. It's not an accident at all. When the Bible tells us that there's this man that God has in store for us to look at, we need to understand the reason why. And here it is. Look at verse 12. It says that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus and he fell on his face and imploring, that is begging Jesus. When the Bible says, and note this, this is Dr. Luke speaking. Remember, Luke's occupation was a doctor. And we know this because he not only uh, used terms of medicine, but we know from church history that Luke was a physician that was later Paul's assistant. When he uses the word full of leprosy, no other author in the Bible uses this word that Luke does. When it says full of leprosy, this guy is completely covered with leprosy. It is believed, by the way, that when you are so captured by leprosy that your skin is so white, you know, your skin turns white, that when it fully consumes you, by the way, uh, and there are certain leprosies uh, that are contagious, most are not, that when you are completely white, you are considered or viewed as being so consumed that you're no longer contagious. That's neither here nor there. Keep this in mind. This guy's a leper, and the Bible tells us he's very bad off. He's full of leprosy, and that, that disease that's within has made its way out, and this is quite graphic. Uh, when someone had leprosy, it would attack, by the way, their outer extremities first, though it's an inward disorder. It attacked their fingers first. It attacked their toes. It attacked their ears, their nose, extremities first. And this is a very sad picture because it's very slow growing. Leprosy is something that advances very, very slowly. And so as this leprosy is advancing in the body, here's the tragedy that it brings upon someone. It begins to deaden the nervous system and it begins to work, as I said, from the extremities inward, racing toward the heart and toward the brain. And when it does what it does, it creates an irreversible deadening, a numbing of the body, nerve damage. And it's a very nasty thing. Dr. Paul Brand, MD, very famous researcher on uh, leprosy or Hansen's disease, he said it was because of this numbing that no pain could be felt in the hands of the leper. And he would accidentally burn himself or cut his feet on sharp rocks without knowing. Infection would set in, and this too, with the victim being unaware of any injury. These self-inflicted injuries were the major contributor to the leper's gross disfigurement over time. Josephus goes on to tell us in several areas that a, that a leper, because his hands were numb, his hands, he would reach into a fire to move the coals over or the wood over, and he wouldn't even realize he's burning his hands. He can't feel it. 
tragically gross, but true. Many lepers would wrap their hands and their feet up because of the swelling for one thing, the deadening, yes, but at night when they would sleep, if they didn't wrap themselves up, rats would come and consume their fingertips and their toes. Many times lepers had their ears eaten off by rats. They never knew it. They would wake up in the morning, and because it was so dead, there would be just even a little bit of blood. Many lepers died of gangrene, blood poisoning, because of this terrible life that they lived. This man is full, Luke says, of leprosy. Now listen, I want you to hear this, and I don't want to spend much time on it. It is throughout Scripture viewed by people, we understand this from history, and from suggestion that leprosy is a type, it's a symbol, it is an outward display of what sin does to somebody's life. I think for you Bible scholars, I don't need to tell you that. Um, But even in the Bible, it talks to us about being cleansed, not healed. You, you, need to be, you and I need to be healed of sicknesses and diseases. Leprosy is never, you're, you're never healed from leprosy, you're cleansed from it. You're never healed of sin, right? You can't be healed from sin. You have to be what? Cleansed from sin. He cleanses us with the washing of the water of his word. The Bible also says that Jesus Christ cleanses us by his own blood. Now there's a beautiful story that will come together soon as we go through this, but Leprosy, they viewed it as a type of sin. And that's mean because you don't get leprosy because of sin. In fact, frankly, there's a lot of that stuff going around today that if you're a Christian and you're sick, there must be sin in your life. Explain that to Paul the Apostle, who was sick often. Explain that to Job, who was probably the most righteous man of his day, and he was very sick. Don't let anyone ever tell you from this pharisaical mind or viewpoint that if you're sick as a Christian and you're suffering, you must have sin in your life. That is a wrong thing to conclude. Sometimes I believe God will allow a godly believer to be sick to test the hearts of the rest of his people as to how they might minister and receive that brother or that sister who's ill. I think that more often than I think the other. Because God's grace is able to work and able to get our attention and also to test our hearts about loving one another. One thing I want you to see here that the scripture tells us that it says that behold a man. Look with me there in the middle of verse 12 and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man. Can you you mark that in your Bible? That behold a man? You know what this means? Uh, Technically in the Greek it means one of two things or both. (laughs) Number one, that is condition was extreme and that he was near the point of death. Behold the man. Like, remember when they said to Jesus on the cross? Remember when he was there? Or when, excuse me, when he was beaten and Pilate came out and said, behold the man. Look, he's near death. Shocking. This word, behold the man, could mean that he's near death. Remember, Luke says he's full of leprosy, which no doubt would mean that he's near death. That's true. But number two, it could mean this, that he appeared suddenly. He surprised people. He shocked them. Now, this almost sounds funny if the story wasn't so tragic. Because by law, he's not to be in the presence of anybody. He's a leper. Those of you who know your Bible, you know what he's supposed to call out? If he's walking near someone, what's he supposed to say? Unclean, Unclean, three times. Unclean, unclean, unclean. He would wrap himself up, and boy, let me tell you, you wanted the crowd to be cleared? Just walk behind a leper. (laughs) Unclean, boom, people moved out of the way, man. Couldn't get near him. He shouts three times as was required, unclean, unclean, unclean. Everybody parted. 
Can you imagine the callousness of heart that would create, even regarding the callousness of heart that's in the physical sense going on, but this, the emotional side. No one was allowed to touch him. Some lepers lived up to 40 years before they died. Nobody was allowed to embrace them. Nobody was allowed to touch their hand or to help them. No help. Isolated from life, though you could see the world in front of you. You could not dwell in it. You could not be part of it. You were ostracized. You were cut out. And in Judaism, you were excommunicated from the fellowship. You couldn't go to synagogue. You were banned. The life of the leper was a tragic, horrible life that allowed you no comfort. Josephus writes, the leper, and I quote, as if he were already dead, was avoided as much as any corpse. His burial was all that remained to finish the job. What a tragic life. A leper would be like a dead man walking. He's breathing, he's moving, he's got some sort of life in him, but as he goes, everything around him is cursed, everything around him is condemned, everything around him is unclean, and nobody wants to be near him. He's like a dead man walking, and the Bible says, that Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, that you and I, if we've come to trust in Christ, you and I, he's made us alive. The word is he's brought us back from the dead, Christ has, who were once dead in their trespasses and sins, in which we once walked according to the course of this world. You and I, before Jesus came into our lives, we lived for ourselves. And look, we may have looked good. We were certainly younger than we are today. And uh, we might have felt better physically. But the truth of the matter was, we were like dead men walking to God. We looked pretty good. But God said, you're dead. And you're dying. And that's how we are without Christ. You might say, well, Jack, come on. I, I've got Christ. But are you alive? What's the proof that you have Christ? That you name his name or that you walk in the power of his life? You can name his name all you want. But are you truly a man living? Does the very heartbeat of God possess you? Are you excited about the things of God? Is that, why, is that the reason why you're living? That, that you live for God and that your job and your career and everything else is just simply a tool that he can use to glorify his name? Don't you think for a moment that if you and I were this poor leper man back then, he's got nothing. Jesus is his only hope. He's got nothing else left. This is his last chance. Desperation is not always a bad thing. Sometimes we're desperate and it brings us right into the right spot. You don't need to jot it down, or you can if you want. Uh, Mark's gospel records this event with a little bit more of intensity and accuracy because in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42, uh, there the Bible tells us that the man came crying out, and the word in the Greek is that he came imploring, asking, asking, asking. How many t Listen, church, how many times did he have to declare that he was unclean? How many times does Mark suggest he cried out? Three times, an answer for every unclean. Unclean, unclean, unclean. You can cleanse me, Jesus. You can cleanse me, Jesus. You can cleanse me, Jesus. Desperate. It's a good thing to be desperate. It's exactly what Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, about being desperate. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why did he put those two wonderful truths together? The poor in spirit receiving the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is salvation, eternal life. Who gets it? The poor in spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? Those who see themselves unable to save themselves. Those who see themselves in great desperation. That's who God saves. 
I know you don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear it. But when I've come to the end of my rope and I throw myself down and I, there's no direction to go to and I say, God, help me. He says, hi, Jack. How are you, buddy? Good to hear from you. Now, what do you need? When I'm self-sufficient, God lets me go on my own. But when we consider the leprosy of our soul, sin, none of us can save ourselves. We need him. And we need his touch. But nobody touches a leper. Well, that's going to change in a moment. The second thing we see here under this point in verse 13 is the Lord has an appointment to keep. And that's because the Lord desires to help. Why does he keep his appointments? Why does he do that with us? Because he desires to help us. Verse 13 says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him. You guys, you don't do this. Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He's forbidden to touch a leper. You think Jesus cares about that? You know what I love about God? He, he gives the law to show us our need for saving. The law can't save you and I. That's what the book of Romans is all about. That's what the book of Galatians is all about. We cannot save ourselves. And the law, as Paul said it in the book of Galatians, he says the law is our schoolmaster. The word in Greek is a powerful word. The law is our, is our pedagogus. It means the law shows up, opens the Ten Commandments, and says, here they are. And we look at them. Ooh, I'll take four and three. <laughs> One mm -mm, and seven. Oops. The law says, these are the Ten Commandments. Keep them. Live. But, excuse me, I just told you that I, I messed up on two and seven. The law has no ears. The law has no feelings. The law has no emotion. The law is stone. It's as hard and cold as stone, and it displays God's perfect righteousness. The law. Christ comes in, and to every person who says, I can't do it, God. I can't live up to the commandments. And then that church I go to, they've got not only, there's not only Ten Commandments, which are holy and great and wonderful, but I can't keep them. But on top of it, the church I go to strapped on 300 more rules that I can't keep. <laughs> what am I going to do? And heaven, when it's left into the hands of legalists, gets further and further away until man has no hope. God doesn't care for the law in that light, in that respect. Is it holy? Yes. Is it pure? Yes. But when it comes to human suffering and salvation, well, Jesus walks through the fields, for example, and breaks off heads of wheat on Sabbath day and gives it to his disciples who are hungry. So did David regarding the showbread. You see, you understand that? Don't say for a moment, well, pastor, I'm doing pretty good with God because it just came off a big prayer thing or a, a big fast deal or I just put a zillion dollars in the bucket and I'm doing good. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit and me. And we're here. Listen, you're messed up. You're in trouble. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs, here on Real Life Radio with his message called, It's Time to Get Up and Go, Part 1. We're glad you joined us today. You know, this message, It's Time to Get Up and Go, Part 1, is part of Pastor Jack's new series called The Gospel of Luke. It's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Hey, did you know that our nation's beginning wasn't just a time when everything was new and full of promise? 
You know, best-selling author Nathaniel Philbrick brings to light the real story behind the myth that everything was going as smooth as could be. The book's called Mayflower Voyage Community War. Philbrick helps us make sense of the convoluted mess our nation is in today by giving us the true picture of the history of Plymouth Colony. Instead of the story we already know, Philbrick gives us the story that we need to know. So pick up a copy of Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick and find out what really happened in the troubling and complex beginning of America. Our book of the month, Mayflower Voyage Community War by Nathaniel Philbrick, is yours today for a gift of any amount. And it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.